Hi, welcome to the Joyful Balance podcast. You're here with your co-hosts, I'm Mira, and this is Denise. We're here to talk to you about the intersection between psychology, neuroscience, and nutrition. I, Mira, um, have a, I'm a nutritionist with a specialist interest in mental health and cognitive well-being. Denise here, my co-host, is a cognitive behavioural hypnotherapist with a specialism in sleep and habit change. And we're here to take you all on a journey about your brain, your mind and your body and how all three things are actually interlinked. So now on season two of the podcast, this episode is all about the different hormones and neurotransmitters that are involved in your mood. 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 (laughs) So (laughs) how are your how is your mood today? You, the listener. Yeah, so definitely ask yourself that question. And Denise, how about you? How's your mood? I'm good. Yeah. I'm flowery today. You are. You're perfectly dressed for this episode. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a normally a flowery type of girl, but mm. um, yeah, I put it down. It's lovely. Um, I'm just trying to think how I'm doing. My mood is a little bit more up and down. I think uh, not loving winter. It's not my jam, but coping. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. What can we do? We I know it in sucks. The world. Um, so this episode is again very timely for me and thinking about mood and what we can do to elevate mood. Mm. Um, so, you know, when we talk about mood, we're kind of referring to how we feel at any specific time. And it's a it's a very sort of undulating, oscillating thing between sort of all different types of emotions and mood states. And it's really influenced by, um, you know, out out and outside internal internal factors so things like the, your biology your genetic makeup your cognitive um habits and uh thought processes your personality and it's also dictated by outside or exogenous factors as we call it so things that are going on in your environment your social cultural situation economical even geographical life experience all of these things really are influenced um, and are influencing on your mood. I will add one thing in Go there. Go for it. From the environment point of mm-hmm. view. Temperature. Oh, yeah. Look, if you Sunshine. are... Sunshine. Yeah. If you if you are a, a, a beach, uh, not beach, but like summer type person and you will really, really enjoy summer and the long days and the sunshine and that's your personality and your vibe, then you are much happier normally yeah. in those temperatures versus if you are somebody who loves winter and you are going to be in summer in, I've, I've met people who really really hated summer oh, and so their hard. mood was all over the place because they appreciate the rain and the cold and the, and gray. the coziness and all that yeah stuff. exactly so environment in that sense temperature makes a huge difference yeah uh yeah i can't get on i love those people with all my heart but i just cannot get on board with it but anyway um, <laughs> Me neither. I'm, I'm a summer type person. Yeah, I, I, but look, today uh, went for a walk, and you know, autumn is in full swing uh, here, and it was just like, what can I do or see that will actually make me happy? Yeah, I and don't appreciate. like the temperatures. Yeah, yeah. And I just love looking at squirrels. I know squirrels can be very polarizing. Some people <laughs> believe that they are rats with tails. I love them, so that was my way of seeing the beauty and. The not so nice temperature. That is a great therapist style response, <laughs> Denise. Uh, I love it. Um, okay, so I'm going to take you on a whistle stop tour, as I always do with the neurosciencey bits, uh, and talk about the different neurotransmitters and horm- and some hormones. What I'm not going to cover is the sex hormones because we've got that in a different episode with uh, a wonderful um, 
colleague of mine, Anastasia Smith. So I'm going to leave those aside and talk about some ones that are more that are even more directly linked to mood. So I'm going to start with the most one of the most obvious ones, one of the ones that we've all heard of, which is serotonin. Now, serotonin actually does way more than just regulate your mood. It's really important for your sleep, your appetite, uh, your ability to sort of reason and think clearly. So your cognitive function with learning and memory. So it's a really, really key neurotransmitter for, for daily function. So, you know, it's responsible for your sense of happiness, your well-being and for having a nice stable mood. Now, it's also got a really big role, as I've just mentioned, in your gut. So what it does in your gut is that it actually uh, signals to your gut, um, your intestines to actually move and to pass food, you know, basically through the system. So also known as peristalsis. Yeah, exactly. Um and so actually what what you what you can find sometimes is when you have to take things or you decide to take things that increase your levels of serotonin you can experience abdominal discomfort and and sometimes nausea because also when what happens is when you um when you also take when you when you have a food poisoning or whatever your your gut increases the production of serotonin to eliminate that toxin immediately so it's got and that's why 90% of the serotonin is actually produced in your gut because it has a, such a uh, integral role in your digestive system it can help reduce your appetite to let you know when you're full um as i said it prote- plays that pro- that protective element and that's why you experience some irritation for example if you do decide to take antidepressants it doesn't happen to everyone it it didn't happen to me personally it's all very individual and it does settle down for a lot of people but but that's just one of the reasons why you're experiencing um those um that stomach discomfort uh when you mm. when you first start taking SSRIs now when you have an adequate amount of serotonin you feel calm you feel emotionally stable but sometimes when you start to get into low states of serotonin it's thought that that can really have a lot a knock-on effect on your on your mood and lead to things like depression now I want to caveat that and say depression is an incredibly multifactorial condition that is not just about having low serotonin there's not one reason why it occurs um and there's not one reason for why your serotonin levels are low. It could be that you have a nutritional deficiency because you're not uh, taking in enough of the nutrients that help you create your natural levels of serotonin. You may have receptors. So for, so the way that serotonin, the way that neurotransmitters and, uh, and hormones work is that essentially if you imagine that the hormone is, uh, it, or the neurotransmitter is a key, it has to fit, in, fit into a lock and, and that allows the key to turn and to cause an action. So you, you need enough of the keys to also fit into all of the locks that you have to then eventually open up the gate. So um, you may find that you don't have enough locks for whatever reason. Mm. Uh, or it could be that you don't have enough keys. So you might not have enough of the serotonin. You may not have, have enough of the receptors to recognize the serotonin to induce the effect that serotonin is meant to have. And that's true of a lot of neurotransmitters and hormones. Now, having said all of that, there's a lot that you can do to naturally increase your serotonin levels. So firstly, in terms of nutrition, you need things like B vitamins, which you can find, for example, in a lot of whole grains and dark leafy veg, um, dark green leafy veg. They're really important for basically causing, for creating um, 
allowing the process of metabolism to happen. Mm. So one, you're creating energy and two, they're used to basically turn the cogs of the machinery that helps you produce serotonin. Things like vitamin D are really important. It's why some people are so affected by winter because you're less, you're, there's less exposure to sunlight. You need your skin uh, exposed to sunlight in order to create vitamin D. So it's often one that is advised to be supplemented although do that with due caution because it is possible to take too much vitamin D. Having loads of oily fish, and that's because it helps you have really healthy locks, really healthy receptors, so they're able to receive the serotonin signal. So you're basically recommending another Mediterranean version of the diet? More, more or less, yeah, because Mediterranean diet is the most studied as to be the most effective to fight depression. Um, it's not the only dietary pattern that's shown to have benefits in terms of longevity, but certainly it's been the best studied. Um, one thing that's really interesting about serotonin uh, and and tryptophan, which is the amino acid that is the base building block to make serotonin, and amino acids you get from proteins. So things like turkey are really high in tryptophan, for example. So it's a, it's a really useful thing to include into your diet, as is things like salmon. Um, but what they find is that different amino acids so so basically proteins are made up of blocks of amino acids it's like it's like putting lego bricks together to build a house um now what happens is is that these different lego bricks compete to actually get into your bloodstream Mm. and tryptophan is a really bad competitor (laughs) it's not very strong competitor it's the turtle of them all kind of yeah so what they find how what they what has been found to be helpful is to actually have a bit of carbohydrate because what happens is is tryptophan latches onto the insulin and gets into and actually crosses into your circulation and into your brain so having like some whole grain carbohydrates to help create um insulin which because your body's doing that to absorb the sugar that's created out of the carbs helps to actually get in uh, the tryptophan which is that lego building block to actually make serotonin in your brain now, aside from the nutritional factors, uh, I'm going to come back to this point again and again. Regular exercise can boost your serotonin levels, as can being exposed to bright sunlight. So um, if you can, particularly, it also helps regulate your circadian rhythm, which is your sleep-wake cycle. Try and get outside and expose yourself to whatever daylight you have for the first like 10 to 15 minutes of your day, if you can. Or just open the window. Yes. Look out the window. Look out the window. Now... Another really interesting uh, neurotransmitter has a role in mood is dopamine. Dopamine's like my favorite. It's the one that I'm most interested in at the moment. Um, that's your what we call your feel-good neurotransmitter. So it's really, and I've talked about serot- uh, dopamine, sorry, in a previous episode. In, yeah, yeah, in the last season of the podcast, I'd highly encourage you to go back to it. But it's a very key part of your brain's reward system. So that's the thing that makes you feel really good when you bought something off of ASOS or you've won a, a game or you've gone out and reached for some chocolate mm. in the fridge. Mm. Um, dopamine is fun. It is fun. It's also very important. So therefore, it's very important for your sense of motivation because it's what drives you to go and get that hit of dopamine in whatever way that is that you currently get it. It's also very important, therefore, for your sense of attention. It has a role in your memory. It also is how you process pain. Um, And it has a role in your digestive system insofar as like the not fun things of like nausea and vomiting, uh, which we're going to part that aside. What do you mean? So it has a role in controlling the mechanism. Oh, okay, 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 okay. okay. Because for a second I was thinking it causes. No, 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 no. no. It just has a role in the mechanism. Mm -hmm. So 
as I said, it, it basically help, it's what gives you your sense of drive. Okay, it's yeah. what helps you think, plan, focus, and strive for things. Now, low levels of dopamine can result in you having reduced sense of motivation. You have a less enthusiasm for things that most people will find enjoyable and pleasurable. So very similarly to um, to serotonin, they're very similar ways to actually up your dopamine levels. Again, it's getting protein. Why? Because the base amino acid, which is not tryptophan, which is for serotonin, is actually called tyrosine. Um, is uh, is is very useful to include in your diet. Um, you can also get another amino acid which you can you can convert into tyrosine called phenylalanine. So go for things like turkey, beef, eggs, dairy, soy, legumes. All of these are really high in those amino acids that help you make um, that help you give you the Lego bricks to build your dopamine house. Um, sometimes they find that having lots of saturated fats, which you find in things like coconut oil, animal fats, butter, they in eating it in very large amounts, though, mind. Um, so a little bit is absolutely fine and healthful, but it can actually decrease um, dopamine production. Now, one thing I didn't mention about serotonin, which is very important for both serotonin and dopamine production, is having a healthy set of gut bacteria. So making sure you're having fermented foods like yogurt, kefir, which is fermented milk, kombucha, uh, your fermented veggies, whatever. Kimchi. Kimchi is my go-to. I'm not a sauerkraut person personally. But when you consume these in high enough quantities and specific strains, you can actually start to increase the amount of dopamine that you produce and lower symptoms of anxiety and depression. Hmm. Regular exercise, again, is really useful for um, upping your dopamine levels. So it might be at least 20 minutes of aerobics or an hour of yoga uh, about six days a week can increase dopamine levels. Get enough sleep. This is very, very key. For some reason, studies have found that staying up late can actually reduce the number of dopamine receptors in your brain. Excuse me, so you don't Going back to my analogy of the key and the locks, you don't have enough locks for all the keys that you have that you need to open the door to, so that dopamine can mm. have the effect that it needs to have. Um, so regular high quality sleep and refer to the episode that Denise has lovingly put together all about sleep. Listening to music is another fantastic mood booster mm. and that's because it increases your level of dopamine. Eat, and also conversing meditation has been found to increase dopamine as well. Again, sunlight is very, very important. Now, the same sort of cycles that help, the metabolic cycles that help produce serotonin also help with dopamine. So they're very, they're kind of overlapping nutrients that you need. So things like iron, B vitamins, again, all help make dopamine as vitamin D is also very, very important. Um, so if I can uh, uh, step in and just summarize for you guys, serotonin and dop dopamine, equally important? In mood, I would say yeah. so. Yeah, equally important. Uh, foods that help uh, whole grain carbs, fruits and veggies, oily fish, quality protein. Absolutely. So make sure that that's you know if there is one thing you get from these two. Yeah, and right. and if you're not sure about where to get all those food groups from, refer to a good um, refer to the Mediterranean diet. Like that's the go-to. Now I'm turning to some more interesting ones, in my opinion, um, just because I talk about serotonin and dopamine a lot. Is oxytocin. Ooh, the love one. The love one. Love, 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 love. Yeah, so... Hugs. Um, hugs. Get hugs. Yes. <laughs> she stole my thunder, guys. 
sorry. So no, you're fine. So as Denise has pointed out, it is actually the love, what's called, quote unquote, called the love hormone. Now, actually, oxytocin physiologically in the body has two main functions. Number one, it simulates, it stimulates, sorry, the contractions of your uterus when you're giving birth, which is a very important and painful thing sometimes some for a lot of women um but it also stimulates the breast tissue to actually start producing um milk after birth so it's a it's a really important also for other things like your um sense of sexual arousal it's also got a very big role in recognition in trust in romantic attachments and parent infant bonding so all these what we call pro-social behaviors we produce a lot more oxytocin when we're excited about new sexual partners, for example, and when we fall in love, hence why it's called that, because it helps foster bonds. Um, and guess what? You can fall in love with yourself. Not in a narcissistic way, but you can boost your oxytocin by loving yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And interestingly, you 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 know, some people will probably identify a lot with this. In the first stages, that romantic attachment is when you have the highest le- like levels of um, oxytocin and that, that persists for a good amount of time which is about six at least six months is that why we call it the honeymoon stage it, probably partly yeah I imagine mm. so because um, it's all rainbows and unicorns and you're and... probably like without like you're probably maybe having more sex because sexual activity also increases oxytocin so so it's kind of like this um mm. it's one of those cycles that actually can be pretty beneficial mm. so as denise said hugging kissing cuddling sexual intimacy can all trigger serotonin it doesn't make you fall in love so it's not like a love potion but it can make you it can boost your feeling of love and contentment and security which are all things that we that matter to us and it just helps increase your your feelings towards that someone who gives you that Mm. um yoga some uh, there's some early studies to suggest that yoga can increase oxytocin listening to music and even making your own music i think they did studies on i think it was jazz musicians who found that their oxytocin increases again around the intimacy piece getting or it doesn't have to be like sexually intimate but getting or receiving a massage can um, (gasps) also boost um (laughs) I'm sorry, but that's why I'm excited. That I finally have a reason why I love yeah, massages. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sharing love and affection with friends and partners, telling them that you love them and that you appreciate them. Um, fostering those pro-social bonds by spending time with your friends. Even actively and empathically listening to others can increase your oxytocin levels. If you're lucky enough to have pets, particularly cuddly ones, cuddle them. That helps increase oxytocin. And random acts of kindness, which I freaking, I love that. Mm. Because it definitely gives me a boost, like knowing when I can be nice to someone. Like, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and for no, you know, for no good reason, not on no good reason, but as in for no other reason than just to be a good person. Yeah, and even to just boost your mood. So today I will give you a quick uh, snapshot. I was walking and there were people walking with their dogs and, you know, and I always look at the dogs and they are all curious and, you know, wiggling their tails. And I decided to say good morning to everybody. Literally. It's lovely. I don't know these people. Probably I will never ever see them again because I'm not walking always the same route. So... It was just like, good morning. And guess what? They all replied. That's really nice. And that's so simple. But it, even like being nice to like serving staff gives me a little bo- like a little yeah. boost. And just, just yeah, it, 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 it costs nothing to give kindness, but it pays back in massive dividends, I think. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to just quickly point Jumping, out. Yeah. And 
I would just say, let's normalize, please, all of us, saying I love you to our friends. Oh, 100%. We say it to our family. We say it to our, you know, intimate relationship partners yeah. and things like that. But I have started for a few years now without even thinking about it. Actually, my friend started it mm. and then I reciprocated and now I'm start. I used it with everybody. If I love you, I will tell you I love you. Yeah. Not in the weird, I want to, you know, I want you to be my partner type yeah, of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the sense that I appreciate you. I love you. I care about you. You're my friend. Do you know, if we had the time and if it was our, like, there's lots of things around like words of affirmation and oh yes. the five languages of love. Because for me, words of affirmation is my total yeah, jam. Absolutely. Um, I have an affirmation app on my phone that tells me affirmations every morning just because I needed this regularity for me to say those nice things to myself. That's why I was saying fall in love with you as well. Yeah. I, I love it. It's it's just a, a a beautiful thing to do. Right, so I'm taking you on a bit of a roller coaster ride for a good reason, actually. I think I picked to do it this way because as well as the uplifting emotions, we we have others that are uh they're not negative, but they're they are more challenging at times. They have their okay. uses. So I'm talking a, about adrenaline and cortisol. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So adrenaline and uh, cortisol and adrenaline, uh, for those um, who are wondering, it's also called epinephrine, which I used to when I didn't know how to when I could spell it, but not pronounce it. I used to say epinephrine in my head, which is like not how it's said. It's it's epinephrine. Epinephrine and adrenaline are the same thing. <gasps> These are, are hormones that are, re- that are released in response to stress. Now, in the short term, obviously, Stress, um, or stress in the short term when you have an acute stressor, whether that's uh, I don't know, you're about to get run over by a bus, or uh, someone is, someone is, yeah, or someone's about to attack you, God forbid any of those things happen. Um, it's very, very useful and an incredibly important survival tactic to help you either fight that, that person, that thing, to either flee from it or any other kind of adaptive response. But the problem is long-term stressors that create an environment of long-term cortisol activation and stress are really problematic. And it's because cortisol starts to um, affect your appetite. So your appetite changes um, and your body begins to store more fat and that leads to weight gain, which um, is a really big problem, not only metabolically, but also... um, is really dangerous, for, for example, for your cardiovascular system. And that has knock-on effects in terms of your brain function because if you don't have a healthy heart system, you can't get the nutrients that you need in your brain. You're leading your uh, body into a, a high state of inflammation. And inflammation over the long term is is really damaging on your body and, and your brain, which is very vulnerable to it. Um, you're also not in a psychological frame of mind. No, and again, like as we've spoken about in Denise's episode on uh, sleep, it will affect your ability to sleep and interfere with sleep hormone. You will have irregularities in your mood because, for example, as I mentioned somewhere else uh, in the podcast, when you have elevated cortisol, it starts to affect your metabolism. Your body's trying to liberate more sugar in order to cope with the stress, but then that causes you to experience a, sh- a result in sugar crash as your body tries to stabilize and that creates a really big state of anxiety irritability um hanger and then you're kind of on this a never-ending loop because you're reaching for foods to help compensate that but those 
those compensation mechanisms, I having lots of salt, fat, sugar and caffeine, um, basically perpetuate the problem. Now, elevated levels of cortisol are associated with depression. Um, and, um, and so it's really important that we manage our stress levels mm. through a variety of techniques, all of which are very dependent on what works for you. Um, and, and it was very important in terms of just beginning to manage our cortisol levels and start to um, see them follow the pattern that they're supposed to follow, which is slightly higher in the morning. And then it starts to drop off at night. And so you can fall asleep. So you can get to sleep. Now, one of the key ways uh, of doing this um, is actually going back to sleep is getting in front of your sleep. So limiting caffeine and uh, from six hours um, before your bedtime because it takes about six hours for your body to clear caffeine. Um, exercise, doing your vigorous exercise earlier in the day, not close at night because that raises your cortisol levels um, temporarily. Uh, having consistent sleep wake times, making sure you give yourself an opportunity to get eight hours of shut eye even if you don't sleep that entire time. Another thing, and going to the exercise thing, exercise is essential. It does help increase, um, it does cause your cortisol levels to increase as your body kind of copes with that increased physical activity, but it will reduce it later. And the size of that increased cortisol response actually reduces over time. So basically what's happening is that you are becoming more resilient to stress. Hmm. So it's very, very important for that. Can, and, we, can we just pause for a second? Sure. And just... Remind us all yeah. how important, crucial, beyond our wildest imagination, moving our bodies, exercise is. is. And I, like, guys, I'm being really bloody honest with you. I hate exercise. You would think as a nutritionist, it is my jam. It really isn't. I love going out to dance, like, don't get me wrong, but I never go to clubs or do any of that anymore because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> and by old, she means she doesn't enjoy them anymore. No, I, w I don't have the opportunities to go. And also, that has a knock-on effect because you go to bed ridiculously late, yeah, right, if you want not to go out all the time. Anymore. No, no, sadly Spoiler not. alert. <laughs> Sucks. Um, but I, it's not my thing. But in doing this podcast, and obviously as I train as a nutritionist, and have a specialism in brain health, the benefits of exercise are undeniable. Um, so it is so essential that even someone who doesn't like exercise, I am learning to find ways to incorporate more movement because it is that essential. Exactly. And if I can, if I can, how can I put this? I, it's so important because the more you read about it, the more you hear about the wellness, blah, blah, blah. And you're thinking, oh, my God, this is a new trend. Everybody needs to be active and needs to be eating right and doing right and so on. The only reason why it feels a little bit overwhelming is because we have not had this information as a society before. If you think about it, we've learned it in the last 200 years or so, and we are still discovering it and we are, you know, putting two and two together. But our ancestors were moving a lot. But you know what I think it is as well? Like, just from personal experience, I find, and as a nutritionist, right, I find fitness for some reason just hasn't caught up to feeling accessible to everyone in the sense that, like, if you do follow, like, inspirational people around fitness there's no it doesn't feel and there's no criticism towards them like I I really 
I don't know enough about them and I'm I'm not gonna, I'm definitely not talking about any specific person or, or anything but just as a consumer of like social media it doesn't make me feel good because it feels like that's their whole thing in life mm-hmm. is exercise and it feels like it leaves me personally feeling like really inadequate because I don't either look like that or I don't feel like that when I exercise and it's not my whole yeah, life yeah. and interest. Exactly. And it, and you're absolutely right. It, it can be very overwhelming mm. and it also can be very uncomfortable. Yeah. All well, all the reason why I stopped Mira, and I'm sorry, Mira. <laughs> no, you're the fine. O- the only reason why I wanted to take this pause is that our ancestors were aware of this trick, even though they weren't aware you know, consciously about it. Yeah. Because if you think of, they were moving, they were working the land or they were gardening or they were doing other things with their hands. So they were, they weren't sitting behind the desk 24-7 nearly like we are. Do you know what though? Whenever I think about ancestors, I just go back to like cavemen times. I never They think were running of... after the tiger yeah, yeah. in front of the I, tiger. I don't know why. I just imagine almost a Flintstone-esque situation. Like, yeah, think about the Flintstones. They didn't have a... Um, they, you know... they bloody had to tootle their little legs. Exactly. <laughs> Get so, so that's exercise. No, but so, in all seriousness, yeah. right? So I'm the reason I'm being trying to be as honest with you as I can is because um, me and my... I don't have a great relationship with exercise. It's been waxing and waning. But this time, because I think I'm approaching it differently in terms of I'm not doing anything I'm not comfortable doing. Uh, I am not pushing myself for a specific aesthetic goal. Um, I am trying to not break a promise to myself for my mental health. Um, and I am trying to just reframe it differently so that I have a different relationship with exercise. That's a positive one. And it's a process. Like, yeah, like I said, I have to negotiate with myself every single time to like go to the gym and some like quote unquote sessions are more successful than others but it's about being like consistent and conscious of thinking oh I haven't moved today and I it would be good to get up and do something even if it's like just doing vigorous cleaning whatever it like that is my what I call my Saturday exercise Hmm. um yeah just um just do, do what you can and and take it step by step you know for me the next steps are like starting to use weights for example maybe running on the uh, treadmill or using the rowing machine for a different type of cardio or uh, not spin I don't think I can do I think I genuinely think spin would kill me I tried it it's not as bad as it looks but you know like but I didn't enjoy it sorry I also don't love that sense of like you have to keep pushing more 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 and like yeah. This sense yeah. of exerting yourself to a point of no return, I it, really don't like. I think there is an element of what works for the individual. And some people like to, you know, chase that next more, um, you know, uh, I've 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 done this ride in, I don't know, 20 minutes. If I do it in 16, if I do it in 15, if I, some people yeah, that work can like be that. really motivating. Yeah, don't yeah. get me like it definitely is each to their own. Like some people like yeah. love spin class yeah exactly i'm not one for of me i think though the the trouble is is that as someone who's an extremely anxious person if i get my heart rate that high that's what triggers an attack mm. almost for me personally yeah, yeah, yeah so i have to kind of slightly pick and choose my like cardio for example to make sure that i'm not pushing myself into feeling yeah. really really rubbish i am similar to you in that sense that what i always i i okay 
small detour. Mm. I tried personal training for a very short period of time. It didn't work for me. I might not have had the best personal trainer, but he was trying to push me to, you know, a limit of a high, high, high heart rate. Yeah. As soon as my heart rate goes that high, you can literally wipe the floor with me. I'm 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 not able to do anything. No, else. And, I, and that is where I realize that's my barrier. I, I I am not interested in doing hit high intensity. Oh, interval I hate training. hit. It's not for me. Like, uh, it's not again. Some people love it. Like yeah. you know, I think what Joe Wicks has done for the exercise community in terms of like inspiring everyone is nothing short of incredible, and he deserves it all the credit that he gets. Fantastic. Yeah. But like. Yeah, it's not. It's just not for me. And I've had that with a personal trainer. Again, I definitely, and I'm not saying he was a bad person at all. He was lovely. But I remember one training session where, like, he pushed me to the point that I almost fainted. And that's not where, uh, personally for me, that's not where I want to be. I don't want to be at a point where it's making me ill. Yeah, exactly. At that moment in time, again, nothing. No, I I would go back to personal training now just to get my technique back and know where my starting point is and then, do my own fitness journey. Yeah, exactly. It's just finding this uh, 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 report with a personal trainer so they understand that you're not that type of person. Exactly. You don't enjoy 100%. those kinds of exercises because a PT can get you to where you need to be, let's say, quicker than you can do it by yourself because they have the technique, they have the knowledge mm. and so on. So I'm not trying to disrespect no, I, I the have profession. A l- no, absolutely not. I it's think just, they're amazing. Yeah, for, for, for me, being pushed to do hit, it's just... I yeah, it's not for me. Kick them. Uh, I also really hate the ropes thing. Oh, oh it's horrid. Horrid. Anyway, no, but exercise is essential. Um, okay, so mindfulness, um, breathing, that is extremely useful for managing stress. Or having a uh, a short, like having a longer out breath. So when you breathe mm-hmm. out over your in-breath helps to reduce your levels of stress and cortisol. Um, but also on the flip side, Go out, have fun and have a laugh. Laughter can really help uh, improve your mood. You experience less pain. It suppresses your stress hormones. uh, And it also creates a release of endorphins, which is something that I'm going to come back to. Surprise, surprise, look after your diet. Having a, a diet that's high in sugar, for example, can cause your um, your anxiousness and your stress levels to go up. So again, the same sort of rules apply. Having lots of fiber, getting that from your fruits, vegetables and whole grains. And your, don't forget your legumes as well. Um, having a, t- a good amount of um, probiotics, particularly when you're trying to counteract the effects, effects of stress because hmm. stress has a very no- big knock-on effect on the balance of your gut bacteria. So it's important to make sure that you're keeping that balance good uh, and healthy so that you're able to make the counteracting sort of serotonin and dopamine, right? Um, also, make sure you're adequately hydrated. If you're dehydrated, that can affect your stress levels. Find a relaxing hobby, spend time with your mates. It can all help to reduce your sense of stress. Now, the last one that I'm going to come to that really has an impact on mood is um, the kind of more lesser known, but nonetheless very interesting, endorphins. So endorphins are your body's natural pain relievers. Again, that can really boost your mood. It helps you cope with pain um, and it helps you um, cope with stress. Now, 
sometimes going back to exercise shocker shocker <laughs> uh, some people talk about a runner's high mm. so like you know uh, some particularly longer distance runners i think uh, can really get this sense of almost like euphoria when they're running typically more colloquially it's been attributed to an increase in endorphins but mm-hmm. actually they think it's more related to your endocannabinoid system so you've got another uh, set of um uh, horm- or, or hormones uh, and neurotransmitters called the endocannabinoids. So that's what things like CBD, cannab- cannabidiol, I think is how you say it. Uh, so CBD products, that's what they act on is the uh, endocannabinoid system, um, which actually um, they also rise with exercise and they more easily pass through the blood-brain barrier. And the blood-brain barrier is this incredible... Um, border between your bloodstream and your system basically and your brain and it's actually really hard to get molecules and compounds across that blood-brain barrier but endocannabinoid seems to be one that has found a found a way through um but anyway nonetheless endorphins and and no can endocannabinoids god's sake mira <laughs> can um have mood boosting benefits and can also help keep you calm so there are many different types of, of endorphins. We don't have, um, they're not always, they're not all equally well studied, but the beta um, endorphins are. And it's thought to be involved with how we uh, perceive pain and and how we perceive pleasure. And this is really interesting, actually, because I'm reading a book called, um, shoot, what's it called? Dopamine Nation. And it's all about dopamine. It's written by a psychiatrist who has spent a lot of time with addicts um, of various substances and, and things. And she talks about there being a pain, pleasure, pain seesaw. Mm-hmm. And your body's always trying to find the balance between the two. So although dopamine will increase your sense of pleasure and reduce your sense of pain, your body counteracts our system by swinging in the other way. So it's really interesting that actually that is always on a, on a seesaw and they're governed by, the, the same processes are governed by the same... Um, neurotransmitters and hormones so we do see that endorphins are naturally produced when we do when we in, in when we enjoy indulge whatever in, in, they're induced by basically pleasurable activities so that can be laughter it can be sex it can be exercise again that's um another another thing which is another form of exercise yeah very true i remember once i swear like i swear a teacher at school I once saw a mug that said sex has no calories. I mean, now there's no way you'd be allowed to have that kind of mug at school. But I remember... Maybe in sexual education, maybe you can. Yeah, but I... I, Like, sex wasn't on my, like, radar at that point of time in my life. But I just... Yeah, I've never forgotten... For some reason, I've never forgotten that. Anyway, but absolutely, it's the type of exercise. and And it's great for, as we said, increasing your sense of oxytocin, your dopamine, your endorphins, um... So, yeah, so um, it can help relieve your sense of pain, as I've mentioned, but uh, as well as laughter, exercise, so moderate to vigorous exercise and strength training, so that's things like doing weights or body weight strength training are really beneficial for increasing endorphins. Dark chocolate can also help release endorphins and dopamine. Just be careful because, you know, you have to moderate the amount that you're consuming in order to keep, mm. keep that as a consistently good effect. Yeah. Um, you don't have 3,000 pieces of chocolate a day. Yeah. And that's easy to do. Like, it's very easy to do. 
acupuncture, so some evidence that that can help release endorphins. Again, listening to music, um, dance can also help release endorphins, and uh, particularly dance if you're doing um, if you're dancing with others can help mm. um, improve social connectedness. So that's kind of a very big whistle-stop tour of some of the neurotransmitters and hormones can affect your mood. As I mentioned, we're going to cut. Co- we're covering sex hormones in a separate episode because they are a huge thing in themselves. Yeah. But the the point is is that having a solid diet, which is um kind of leaning towards a more Mediterranean proportioned diet where there's plentiful fruits and vegetables, uh, there's whole grains. Uh, so thinking about your whole grain carbs, like your um rolled oats, your brown right, your brown or wild rices, uh, brown bread, that kind of thing. Um, having, not processed foods. Not processed foods. Having uh low as low as sugar as you can kind of manage. Um, and also uh, drinking lots of water and make sure you have quality protein and oily fish. They're all really important standard dietary things that I would recommend to anyone who's coming to see me. Um, it's getting sufficient sleep has a really big knock-on effect on neurotransmitters and hormones, so making sure you're getting adequate sleep. Uh, exercise, again, is super important for boosting all of these important neurotransmitters that will boost your mood, but also lowering your stress levels overall. Just make sure you don't do it too close to bedtime so that it doesn't interrupt your sleep. Um, social connectedness, whether that's with your partner in an intimate situation, whether that's friends or families, or even cuddling your pet are all really useful ways of boosting your mood and through boosting those hormones and neurotransmitters. Um, and make sure that you're enjoying, like that you're having a laugh every now and again. That's really beneficial. If you can't go on Netflix or go to a comedy show or recently I was in a really bad mood and I went to see Mary Poppins and I felt bloody fantastic. So exactly, go see Mary Poppins. It was or Mamma Mia for that Mamma Mia, yeah. Like, do yeah. something that's going to bring you joy, is what I'd say. We go back and again and again and again to joy because yeah. joy is responsible for so many beautiful things in our lives. Yeah. And so many beautiful things create joy. Yeah. So, guys, eat well, sleep well, mm-hmm. hydrate the hell out of yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, not too much because you can go the you can way. overdo it yeah, yeah so <laughs> hydrate well and joy yeah absolutely find joy yes it's available out there you just sometimes it just takes a little bit of time and and it's for free yeah. it is it can be yeah if, ring a friend tell them you miss them yeah i i uh, just wanted to say one thing before we we wrap up because this was our summary for for today's episode mm-hmm. um Recently, I was working with somebody who experienced a very, very um, chronic version of loneliness. Mm. And everything was overwhelming for them in terms of sleep, in terms of, you know, many other facets. And um, they craved the social connectedness. And we say, oh, exercise, go this, do that. But sometimes it's very difficult. Some, some people struggle. Yeah. If you are one of those people struggle. I would recommend do something where you don't necessarily have to interact, but you are in a social setting, mm. i.e., sewing group that's yeah. what my clients started doing it was something that it came from them oh i would be sewing i love sewing i will go and find a you know group nearby where they sew well you don't have to have the chatty <laughs> chatty There's... chatty at sewing or i go to a coloring group where Do we you? are yeah we oh, are adults amazing. we sit around the table if you want to talk, you talk. If you don't want to talk, you just listen to other people and you colour next to them. Is it in the same place or do you go somewhere different each time? No, 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 it's the same place. It's an angel, I will tell you. Oh, please, I'd, I'd be up for joining that. It's fantastic. And then you can chitty-chat if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Or you can just 
color. Color, right next to other people who chitty chat. And if you just feel connected. Yeah, and if you're working from home, like for me, what really saved my mental health, and actually how I met Denise, is going to a co-working space or joining a membership club. They don't have to, you don't have to go to the really expensive ones. Um, there's plenty around. There's different apps that you can use to socialize. Um uh, you know, I'm trying out one myself. I'm trying Bumble BFF just Woo-hoo. to meet some more people, meet some more women, local women in my area. Um, yeah, there's there's tons of ways you can do it. And if you're feeling like, if you're feeling overwhelmed, just just give one thing a go. Try out meet like Meetup is another social app that you can use. There's a group out there for everybody, for yeah. actually everybody. Every, Whatever yeah. niche thing you are interested in, yep. there will probably be a group out there for you. It's just a case of biting the bullet, having a little bit of Dutch courage and just giving it a go. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be huge. It can be very, very tiny and it can be in your own timing. And if none of the things we said today apply to you because you think they don't apply to you, I would just say, go outside and smell the proverbial flowers. Yeah. Just do that. And tell me how you feel afterwards. Yeah. Message us if you're feeling lonely. We'll give you plenty of ideas. And we're yeah. we're always available to chat. And yeah, that's why we love doing this podcast, really. Yes. 1,000%. Yeah. So I hope we, well, we both hope you found this uh, useful. Of course, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to get in touch with us. We'll leave all our details in the notes and or the blurb of this episode. Uh, we are contactable via a direct message on Instagram. Uh, we're also contactable by email. Um, we will be back with future episodes. But in the meantime, guys, if you could like, rate, follow, subscribe, do all the things, you're really going to help us uh, let more people find our, our growing little podcast. Um, so we'd really value uh, we'd really value in particular a five star review, but rate us and and please provide us with plenty of feedback. We only want to get better at this so that we can provide you with the best content that we can. Uh, so yeah, that kind of wraps us up for today. Thanks so much, Denise. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>